Ruthlessly efficient was Daniel Medvedev. He wins in an hour 36 minutes. Straight sets over the American. Love one and two. Well, he was ruthless, really, wasn't he? he? He knows his stuff, and he knew that he had Marcus uh, probably covered really with their matchup. And I felt a bit bad for Marcus. He's a good player, this young lad. But he, he just went against someone who is so good from the back of the court. He's not an eight in the world. He's more like a a one, two, or three is Medvedev. And uh, gee, that was a ruthless performance. Hey guys, coming to you live here, 4.40 a.m. on the West Coast here. That would make it 11.40 in Melbourne, where you just heard me record the end of play live there with Medvedev winning. You're listening to Trips Tennis Talk, the amateur podcast about professional tennis, and I'm interested in how the pod is going to go this morning because when you're trying to do something at 4.40 a.m. after being up for almost 24 hours, I'm going to lower the expectations on my train of thought here. But we'll see how it goes. <sighs> so yeah, it's happening right now. The train of thought is not working. Um, but the point of doing this at this time is I want it to be a fresh live experience coming off the end of the day, and I want to get the podcast uploaded as soon as possible so people have time to listen to it during the day before the next day begins. So let's start with my top line thoughts from the tournament today. In terms of the results, there were no huge upsets. The top-seeded players both played today, and they did not play their best, but they got through it. And that's what these tournaments, these Grand Slams, are about in the first week. It's about surviving and advancing and saving your best tennis for week number two. Kyrgios pulled out of the tournament with a knee injury. He said in press that he's going to have knee surgery and he's going to be out for a couple of weeks. And he posted a rather disgusting photograph of material that was drained from from his knee. It was a red and clear substance. Djokovic 
has been dealing with a hamstring injury that's been picked up by the press and on social media as a storyline. And Djokovic was scheduled to have a night practice. And it was temporarily delayed. And in the period when it was delayed, people were speculating where your mind would go on this. Is he going to pull out? Is he in danger? Is it a real injury? However, Djokovic rescheduled the practice for later in the night, and uh, reporters at the tournament confirmed that Djokovic did indeed practice today. And it's worth remembering that tennis player injuries... Um, are different than tennis players talking about their injuries. Remember a couple years ago when Djokovic could barely move, uh, allegedly, against Taylor Fritz, and he ended up winning the whole tournament? And remember when uh, Taylor Fritz, actually, himself, claimed he could barely move in the Indian Wells final when he beat Rafa? I think these are sort of hyperboles that the players tell themselves, and sometimes the media and the fans can get dragged into this until something happens during the point. Djokovic is fine, and it's it's uh, good to remind folks of that because even if we've seen it many times, it's um, sometimes uh, fans can forget uh, that fact of or what I what I mean to say is sometimes fans can overestimate injuries or look too much into injuries. There were some fun matches today. I said on yesterday's pod that things would need to emerge out of the woodwork to make the day more fun, and that is indeed what happened. And let's move into our deep dive segment. This is the part of the podcast where I talk about the matches that I watched from start to finish. And uh, I talk about my thoughts, what happened and when, and um, any uh, relevant stats that go along with the story or the point. So the first match I checked out today... This is uh, Australian Open first round action today. Um, number one seed, Rafael Nadal, taking on Jack Draper. Coming into the match, it was more notable than most first round matches. My feeling coming in was Draper had a realistic shot to actually win if things broke his way, which is different than saying that he had a chance to win or that he was favored to win. Basically, if you're saying you have a chance to win if things break the right way, that still means it's, it's pretty unlikely you're going to win. But within that framework, Draper had an interesting chance because of Nadal's recent dip in form and Draper's ascension into the ranks of the tour over the last couple of years, and based on the fact that he played Djokovic close one time, which you all know about, and uh, he had a victory over Tsitsipas last year. And 
and it it never really felt like Draper had a realistic chance to win the match once the match started because in high leverage situations Draper made very bad decisions Draper passed the early test in this match two all three all four all and at uh, five all and they were quick games early in the match there were not very many deuces for either player and there, uh, Draper had a chance at 5-all. I believe Rafa, yeah, Rafa was up 40-love after only losing a handful of points the entire set at 5-all, 40-love. Draper got it to deuce, and from that point on, you know, when it was 5-all deuce, that is a high-leverage situation where you've passed the early test, and the next step toward competing or winning a match of this caliber if you're Draper is when the scoreboard pressure moment comes you have to number one win the point and number two win those points by doing the same things that you did earlier in the set and at these moments which happened late in the first set and late in the third set Draper's decision making was different and poor in these situations. Specifically, he used um, ill-advised drop shots, which put him behind immediately in the point and let Rafa dictate to get the breaks. And in those moments, if you do that, if you do that tactically, or if you display mental weakness or outward negativity in a high-leverage moment in a match against the big four like that, Typically, they realize that, and they gain confidence that the other player is not quite ready to win yet. I didn't necessarily get that sense with Draper immediately. Like, I thought even after the first set, which he lost, I thought he could have continued to fight, which he did. But when the moment came in the next set, he didn't meet the moment. So after a tight, compelling first set, Rafa turns it on, sort of Pete Sampras style, with a late break to win the first set 7-5. But then immediately, Rafa played a couple of bad games to give Draper an early lead. Uh, Draper broke in the first game of the second set, which gave him confidence to sort of stay with it and he didn't get droopy after losing the first set, which many do. But Rafa's poor play continued. He gave up another break, and Draper rode out the set 6-2. And I wasn't too worried about that because the high lev- the, the second set did not have any high-leverage moments. Despite the dominant scoreline in favor of Draper 6-2, because Draper was already down a set, Essentially, what he did in the second set didn't really matter, because in a match against the uh, you know the big three, the big two, in a match against Rafa, if if you're down a set, you're statistically that much more unlikely to win anyway, and you play with a different mentality when you're behind. So, 
Draper's effort in the second set didn't mean much to me other than, you know, Rafa will not be winning a major without dropping a set this time. The third set was very similar to the first set. Um, Games went with... Did they? No, they didn't. Yeah, Rafa got up 4-1 and then had a bad patch, got back to 4-all. And then when Draper was serving at 4-5, he got broken again. So in the first and third sets, Draper lost his serve to lose the set. So Nadal takes the third set 6-4. And then in the fourth fourth set, Jack Draper started cramping. And he had pained expressions. He was getting treatment on the changeover. And when you're cramping in a relatively short match in the third or fourth set against Rafael Nadal at a Grand Slam, that is not an ideal situation. So Draper's conditioning uh, cost him a chance from being competitive later in the match, and Rafa stretched that fourth set to win at 6-1. So the final score, Nadal gets the win over Draper, 7-5-2-6-6-4-6-1. The first three sets were a good sort of workout exercise test for Rafa without being in danger of actually losing. And then the fourth set, he won it on conditioning. Um, So Draper needs to work on his conditioning and his decision-making. But even though he won going away in the end, this was not a classic Rafa performance in terms of form and playing good tennis. He had his bad patches, but he got through them. Because in these best-of-five set matches, you can have the time to work through a bad patch. You can play bad for an hour, and you can still win because of the scoring system. But in terms of Rafael Nadal grit and perseverance, this was a Rafa 101 uh, seminar. He outcompeted the other guy. He was fired up. He was doing fist pumps very early in the first set. Totally different than any of his warm-up matches. There's a reason why fans and press and pundits say, oh, he's saving it up for the majors. Because at the majors, he had his best performance to date. And this was Rafa's first win of the year. So I believe he's now won... ATP matches in every season since 2003 or something. And he's also tied Yvonne Lendl for, I think it was third on the third or fourth on the all-time match wins list. Connors was number one, then Federer, then I believe Nadal and uh, Lendl were next. And Djokovic, I think, was also on that list. So, yeah, Rafael Nadal is starting to set longevity records. Never thought that would happen with Rafa 10 or 15 years ago. We all thought he'd burn out real quick. And um, my second deep dive that I would like to look at, Stefanos Tsitsipas versus Canton Hali. On paper, this was much more interesting than what actually happened. Coming in, 
Sitsipas had lost in the first round of Grand Slams in 2022 and in 2021, including at the most recent major pre- prior to this. Also on hard courts, Sitsipas lost in the first round, and in fact, he had not won a match at a Grand Slam since before the Kyrgios Wimbledon match six months ago, the much covered, uh, extremely dramatic situation where, as a solid favorite, you know, in theory, Sitsipas couldn't get it done. There was a little bit of dad drama in this one, but not much. Sitsipas was completely all over Holly, who had who who had had a winning record against him. Sitsipas was 0 and 2 against Holly, and Sitsipas was just all over this guy. It was six three six four. Um. And uh, a, a break, one love in the third set. Two love, rather. 6-3, 6-4, love. And from that, Sitsipas did one of his mental walkabouts for 30, 45 minutes. And he gave the break back to get to 2-all. He got broken again to go down 2-4. And he got it back and eventually went to a tie break which he had to scrap and claw to win 8-6 to win the match in straight sets, 6-3, 6-4, 7-6. But this is a match he should have won 3-4 four, and 4. He was in a completely winning position. He was completely co- comfortable. He was completely untroubled. And he inexplicably lost his focus and started choking. And that happened several times last year. It happened again. It happened against um, Galan, I think, is the guy he played at the U.S. Open. Sorry, again, it's 4:56 a.m. I'm not gonna go fact check that, guys. I think when he played Chorich in Cincinnati, he had a similar sort of choke job. So if this is happening in a completely comfortable first round match against a guy you're dominating, how is Sitsipas gonna perform under the pressure? in the later stages of this tournament, or of any tournament. So I think it bears watching, going forward, how Sitsipas handles his matches. He's always an interesting character. And another interesting character, my third deep dive, which is not really that much of a deep dive at all. Medvedev took on Marcus Giron in the last match that we just saw there at the beginning of the podcast, or just heard. And this is a complete demolition from the very beginning. Um, Giron was broken seven times, and Medvedev was broken no times. And Medi, back on the court where his career has tumbled, you know, Rod Laver Arena last year is where he lost the match to Rafa from the huge winning position in the crushing fashion that derailed his season and has derailed his career for a year. So he was back on that court tonight, and it was interesting that on that court, where that stuff happened, he obliterated a guy. Um, the, the final score was 6-love, um, 6-1, six 6-2. Six and maybe that'll give him some confidence. It'll take more than a first-round match against an overmatched guy to 
exercise the demons or to move on, but perhaps this was a first step toward Medvedev actually moving on. There were a couple of matches that I had my eye on throughout the day that I caught glimpses of. Goff and Pagula looked very good in the early window. Sviantek struggled against Nehemiah, but got it done in straights. She was down 3-5 and closed it out 7-5 in the second set. There were some fun matches late that just wrapped up a short time ago. Rinki Hijikata from Australia beating um, Hanfman in five sets, coming back from two sets to love down for Hijikata's first Grand Slam match win in front of his home crowd. Age 21, he did very well. And was it Musetti? Musetti got the win? Let me look at that. I forget who won. Again, it's really late. No, Lloyd Harris won. So, Lloyd Harris coming back from injury just beat the number 17 seed, Lorenzo Musetti, in a fifth set tiebreak a short time ago after losing the third and fourth sets. Harris came back to pull it out 7-6 in the fifth. That's a good effort by him. And now let's take a look at the good efforts that were put forth by all the players in the draw today. Here comes a score read, and I'm going to do them in draw order. The top half of both draws played today. So let's take a look at the women's draw first. Here's what happened today, Monday, January 16th. Number one seed, Sviantek beat Nehemiah, 6-4-7-5. Osorio beat Udvardi, 6-4-6-1. Buxa beat Lise in a matchup of qualifiers, 2-6, 6-love, 6-2. Bianca Andreescu looked very good in a route of the number 25 seed, 6-2, 6-4. Andrescu could uh, match up with Sviantek in the third round, not the second, but the third. That would, that could be good. Wimbledon champ Rybakina beats Kosharetto, 7-5-6-3. Yuvan beats Janicevic, Janic, 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 Janicevic, 7-5-6-1. Muhova former semifinalist here beats Serenko 6-2-6-1 Collins the defending finalist and the highest ranked quote unquote or the the highest point getter in the draw from last year with Barty's retirement Collins is the finalist Collins beats Kalinskaya in one of the better matches of the day 7-5-5-7-6-4 McNally beats Pagosi 7561 Bandel beats Rakamova 756761 Bondar over Bogdan 622663 Ostapenko beat Yastremska 6462 My dark horse major pick Zhang beat Galfi 6162 Para beat Uch Uchijima 
Emma Raducanu beat Korpots 6-3-6-2 to set up a blockbuster match against Coco Goff, who beat Siniakova 6-1-6-4 early on. Pagula beat Christian Love and won. Sasnovich beat Brenda Fruvatova 7-5-6-2. Gadecki, the wild card, beat Kudermatova 7-5-6-1. Kostyuk beat Anasimova, the 28th seed, 6-3-6-4. Jose Morgado reported that Anasimova was in tears before the match was even over. I think she's been having a rough time of it, so all the best to her. Krajcikova beat Bezlek, 6-3-6-1. Burel beat Gibson, 6-3-6-4. Kalanina beats Coco Vandaway, 6-3-6-1. Kvitova over Van Utvank, 7-6-6-2. Madison Keys came back from a double break in the first set to beat Blinkova, 6-4-3-6-6-2 in the night session. That finished maybe a minute or two before I came on the air here. One of the Wang sisters, players, ex-Wang, I can't remember which one, beat Hunter, 7-6-6-4. Nadia Podoroska beat Leolia Jean-Jean, 6-love, six 6-3. Six Azarenka beat Kennan, 6-4-7-6, in a matchup of the only Australian Open winners in the draw. Jill Teichman, the 32 seed, beat Harriet Dart, 7-5-6-1. Zhu D. Marino, 6-2-6-4. Schneider, one of the debutantes I mentioned, Gets a win over Kukova, 7-6-7-5. And number 6 seed, Zachary, anchoring the bottom of the draw with a 6-1-6-4 win over Yuan. That was the top half of the ladies' draw. Here's the top half of the men's draw and what happened there today. Number 1 seed, Rafael Nadal and the defending champion beat Jack Draper. 7-5-2-6-6-4-6-1. Mackenzie McDonald beat Brandon Nakashima in an all-U.S. matchup in a tight one. 7-6-7-6-1-6-7-6-6-4. And let's get the match time on that. That was four hours and two minutes. Some guy who I've never heard of. S-V-R-C-I-N-A. Sver Sverkina. Sverkina beat Munar, 3-2-2. Yoshihito Nishioka beat Yamur, 4-2-5. Kachinov beat Zapata Mirales, 7-6, 6-2-6-love. Jason Kubler got his first ever Australian Open win 13 years after his first attempt, beating Baez, 6-4, 6-4, 6-4. Baez has lost 18 of his last 19 matches. Shang, the IMG Academy 17-year-old kid from Bradenton, beat Oscar Ate 6-2-6-4-6-7-7-5. Francis Tiafo held off a late charge from Altmaier, 6-3-6-3-6-7-7-6. Hercotch beat Martinez, 7-6, 6-2, 6-2. Sonigo beat Nuno Borgs, 
7663-6761. Daniel over Escobedo, 7562-3663. Denis Shapovalov got a win over Dusan Lajevic, 6446-6461. Seb Korda beat Christian Guerin, 6416-6362. Watanuki, one of the debutants, destroyed Arthur Rinderneck, 6363-62. That's pretty surprising because Rinderneck is an established tour-level guy now. John Millman, who I see listed as a wild card, beat Hustler in a four-hour, five-minute tussle, 6-7-7-5-6-7-6-2-6-3. Interesting. Four hours in the last two sets were 6-2-6-3. Millman seems to be involved in these kind of dramatic matches on outside courts in the early rounds, doesn't he? Medvedev just finished off Giron, Love 1 and 2. Sitsipas beat Hali, 3, 4, and 6. Rinki Hijikata, that score over Hoffman was 4, 6, 4, 6, 6, 3, 7, 6, 6, 3. Talon Greekspor beat Kotov. 637663 Bodic van de Schulp beat Ilya Ivashka 6336-7563. Lloyd Harris held off Musetti the 17 seed 6461672676 Fucevic beat Federico Coria 4675267672 Six two, Echeverry beat Barrer. Three six six three six four six four. In the first match of the day, number fifteen Yannick Sinner destroyed former Australian Open semi-finalist Kyle Edmund. Six four six love six two. Cam Norrie beat up on Van Ash. Seven six six love six three. Lestien beat Montero. 637663. Eubanks defeated Kwan. 6367634664. Kwan is Korean. The Australian Open has shed the, the old label of the Grand Slam of Asia Pacific in the last couple of years. There really has never been, aside from Hyung Chung, five years ago already. There's never really been a huge Asian success on the men's side since I've been following the sport. Obviously, Lee Na won down here in the past for the ladies. Lehechka beat Sensi champ Borna Chorich 3-3-3. Hey, just because you won a tournament six months ago doesn't mean you can't lose first round here. And that's what happened to good old Borna. Sarundalo beat Peya. 646463 Mutet beat Wu 6457624675 This is Stan Vavrinka unfortunately could not hold on Alex Molchan beat the 2014 winner Stan Vavrinka 67631676664 in a match that went for 4 hours and 22 minutes Apparently, Stan looked tired towards the end of the match. 
And it's just sad to see Stan at this stage of his career, especially compared to how he was playing at his peak and how he was unstoppable, unstoppable and invincible. He's definitely not that now. The, the winning years are well behind him at this point. And Felix Auger-Aliassime beat his countryman Vasek Pospisil, the co-head of the PTPA thing, 1676763. That was 3 hours 58 for 4 sets, so they averaged almost an hour a set there. And those are your results for today. Now that the score read is done, now we move on to the schedule preview for the day. And I have not seen it yet. I know they changed the schedule after Kyrgios' withdrawal to put another match on the show courts to fill the empty slot there. So let's take a look at the match schedule for day two, Tuesday, January 17th. For us here in the States, this will be Monday night. First up, at 7 p.m. Eastern, we got Sabalenka, we got Muguruza, and on John Kane Arena, we got Andre Rublev versus Dominic Team. That is unquestionably the match of the early window. Elsewhere early, Karatsev, former semifinalist here. Oh, how times move on, right? Looking, looking, nothing jumps to mind. Second up, let's take a look at what is Ben Shelton, Cressy, the greatest player of all time, Kareno Busta, JJ Wolf versus Jordan Thompson, Holger Rune versus Philip Krajanovic, Taylor Fritz's opener is at 9 p.m. Eastern, and Carolyn Garcia is also second up. Third match is up for the day. Zverev is up. Hopefully he can get a win against Verilas, because Zverev needs any kind of win he can get right now. Berrettini versus Andrew Murray. Interesting. Elsewhere, third match on. Tanasi Kokonakis versus Fabio Fanini. Tommy Paul versus Yan Leonard Struff. Jensen Brooksby versus Christopher O'Connell. And John Isner. Don't care. And happy hour matches. Let's see. Let's see. Happy hour matches. Looking, looking, looking. Richard Gasquet, who just won a title in 2023, against Hugo Umber. Alison Risk, Amber against former French finalist Vondrosova. Sloane Stevens also out there later in the day, as is Dennis Kudla and Bautista Agut in separate matches. And that appears to be that. Taking a look at the night session... We got triple night session. So first at 7, or sorry, at 3 a.m. Eastern time, we got Jabor's opener. We got Benchich's opener. And we got Alex Damonar playing out on John Kane Arena. 
that's the that's the usual Nick Kyrgios slot. Someone has to go out there. And the second night matches, so the nightcaps tomorrow night, the openers for Mr. Novak Djokovic and Mr. Kasper Rude. Those matches will be on. So that's the schedule for tomorrow. Well, I guess the pod did not turn out as terrible as I thought it might. I think I've picked up in energy a little bit. So it's 5.15 a.m. Pacific now. So maybe I can just lie down for 10 minutes. Then I'll have enough energy to get through the whole Monday, right? Well, maybe not, but uh, Guy can dream. Not going to put any music on this one since there was a... There was a cold open, so to speak, and I just want to get this uploaded and go to bed. Thanks for listening to Trips Tennis Talk, the amateur podcast about professional tennis, brought to you by the good folks at Argonne Productions. Catch you later.